Hi there. I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 102. And today I want to talk about passing on our values to our children. How do we share things that are very important to us with them? And in speaking about that, I want to return to the topic of clothes, clothes and rules. We were talking about this last week, and I have another story on this topic to share. Also, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on around here and what's happening online. Now, before I start, I have to tell you that I'm talking off the top of my head this morning. It is the school holidays here and my school teacher husband Andy is home for this week and next week and I wasn't sure I'd get a chance to record a podcast. Yes, the rhythm of our days changes over the school holidays. But this morning Andy and my daughter Gemma Rose have gone into town to do the grocery shopping and I said to my older girls, do you think I have time to record a podcast before they get back while it's nice and quiet here? Because as soon as Andy and Gemma Rose arrive back with all the shopping, there will be a lot of noise as they ferry all the bags back and forth along the hallway and, yes, unpack them and get all the food into the pantry. So that's what I'm going to do today. I haven't got time to make elaborate notes, but I would like to talk to you during this first week of the school holidays. I've had a few ideas circulating through my head and I'm going to share them with you today. So I'm going to start by returning to last week's topic of adult peer pressure, and in particular, clothes rules. So I wonder, how did you get on with that episode? Did you go out and buy yourself a pair of comfy jeggings? Well, I guess if you're a mother, you might have. I don't suppose any of the fathers thought of doing that. This reminds me of another story I heard about in another podcast about rompers for men. When I told my girls about that, they just rolled their eyes. And then there was the story of a famous actor's son who is now a model for women's clothing. I don't think I'll go into any more of that. I'll get straight back onto my own stories. For some people, girls wearing jeans brings up a lot of issues. One of them is femininity, which we talked about last week. And the other one is modesty, which I very briefly touched upon. Are jeans modest clothing for girls? A lot of people would say no. So I guess our attitudes to jeans wearing is dependent upon our beliefs. It may be very important to us that we pass on our beliefs to our children, that they live by those beliefs. I have heard some unschoolers say that they don't want to pass on any of their beliefs to their children, that their children are free to make up their own minds about anything, and the parents don't want to influence their children's beliefs. Well, I do agree that children are free. They are free to believe what they want. The problem is that even if they don't listen to us, they're going to listen to a lot of other voices out there in the world. And if we truly believe in our own beliefs, if they are truth to us, then surely we would like our children to adopt them. We would all be very, very sad, I think, if our children abandoned the beliefs that we hold dear to us. 
So I don't think there's anything wrong with telling our kids about our own beliefs and hoping that they will adopt them. But maybe making rules isn't the way to go if we want our children to see things from our point of view. I don't think it matters whether we have a faith or not, whether we're religious or not. I think this conversation is open to everybody because everybody believes in something. We have values about all aspects of our lives. Even if we don't believe in God, we do live by our values. I think the only way to keep our children completely free from our values is not to live them. Because our kids will listen to us and will see us living our lives according to our beliefs. Our beliefs have to be visible. And this is the way that we can pass our beliefs on to our children. They won't think our beliefs are very important unless they see us living them. They have to spill over into our actions, into our decisions, into our speech. If we are afraid to talk about our beliefs, then our kids are going to pick up the fact that maybe we're not quite sure about our beliefs after all. Maybe they're not part of who we really are. So many of you probably know that we are a Catholic family. We make decisions based on our beliefs. Everything that happens to us is filtered through our Catholic faith. Our kids see us going to Mass on Sundays. They see us praying for people who need help. We read spiritual books together. Religious things just naturally occur in our conversations. And our conversations don't run along the lines of this is what you should believe, this is what you should do. Sometimes people ask me, what would happen if our kids refused to go to Mass with us on Sundays? And I really don't know the answer to that question because I can't remember one single occasion where my children grumbled about going to Mass and said they didn't want to go. I think that living our faith, living our belief system, has to become like breathing. It's just natural. It's just what we do. It's exactly the same as learning. We don't have battles over learning, because everybody learns. It's a family affair. It's something we all do, something we enjoy something which is part of our lives, which is as natural as breathing. And that is what our faith is to our family. Just part of our lives. A very important part, but an inseparable part from everything else. So I haven't had to make any rules. You have to get out of bed at a particular time and go to Mass. You have to dress modestly. You have to do this. You have to do that. My kids have chosen to do all those things for themselves. I guess they have picked up things from us. We are a very connected family. What is important to us has become important to our children. Will our children always have the same beliefs? Or will they go out there in the world? And will they be influenced by other people? Will they feel that they want to do something different from us? Well, I guess there's always that chance. And I guess we would have to accept that. But I also feel that even if kids do go along a different pathway and explore, which might be good, because it might strengthen their faith eventually, at times of trouble, I feel that they will return to their roots. 
Their faith is all wrapped up in family, love, acceptance. It's where we go when we're in trouble. It gives us comfort. It gives us joy. And when our kids get into situations where they need that love, that connectiveness, that joy, perhaps they will return. Anyway, that's for the future. I'm talking about today, at the moment. Back to jeans wearing. For some people it might be more than just a choice of clothing. Some people have different preferences for different fashions. Each might be equally acceptable, but everybody has their own favorite things to wear. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is when jeans wearing becomes part of a belief system. You can't wear jeans because I believe they are immodest clothing. You can't wear jeans because I believe that jeans are clothing for men, not women. Men should be men, women should be women. Those are part of some people's belief systems. And I respect that. But I still don't believe, even if these things are important to us, that we can make rules about them. We might not make rules about other things, and we might think, look, I am justified in making a rule about this particular issue because it is of great importance. It is fundamental to our belief system. And I still don't think that we have the right to make that rule. And more importantly, I don't think the rule will be very effective. I think it will actually drive our children away from us. It will be a barrier between us. It will cut off communication so that we have no chance of passing on our beliefs. Maybe it's much better to have a relationship where we can discuss these things without criticizing. We can be open We can be accepting, but we can't force our kids to adopt our beliefs, as I said. So I'm going to share another clothes story with you. It comes from one of my older blogs, so maybe you haven't heard this story before. And I know that reading out a story is a bit of a cheat. It's easy for me to do that. But also, the perfect words have already been written. If I try to tell you the story again, I'm sure I'm going to get into a big muddle and it won't be nearly as interesting as the original story. So I hope you don't mind me reading this story out loud in my very imperfect way. The story is called The Jeans Wearing Rule. I'm going to write about something a little controversial, which is very unlike me. But it's something I've been thinking about for a while. No doubt some readers will disagree with my opinions, but that's okay. We can have a friendly discussion, can't we? I want to talk about jeans. I guess that will lead us into the whole modesty issue. Am I brave enough to continue? Here goes. I have seen a few articles online that have titles such as Rules for Modest Dressing. The rules consist of a comprehensive list of do's and don'ts that are aimed at teenage daughters in particular. I admire a mother who takes the time to ponder carefully what she wants for her daughters. It's a mother's responsibility to pass on to her children what she believes is right. And writing rules is a reflection of a very caring mother. Obviously, there are many mothers who agree because the number of comments of congratulation for such posts are enormous. You care, so you make rules. I admire that. 
I used to have a set of similar dress rules for my daughters. Well, actually, the rules really only applied to my eldest daughter, Felicity, as she is seven years older than my second daughter, Imogen. Dress codes don't seem to affect little girls as much as teenage ones. I decided that jeans were not appropriate dress, and so I wouldn't let Felicity wear them. I told her my reasons. They were immodest and unfeminine. She was a girl, therefore she couldn't wear pants. Nice and simple. No arguments allowed. Actually, I wasn't being entirely truthful. The reason I didn't want Felicity to wear jeans was because none of my friends let their daughters wear them. I wanted to be accepted by these women, and so I adopted their standards. I let myself be swayed by others' opinions. Adult peer pressure. But when I thought about it, they were right, weren't they? Felicity did not think I was right. I spent a lot of time trying to make her abide by the rules, rules she couldn't see the value of. Rules can be made, but they need to be policed, and that can result in a lot of time and energy and conflict. And rules can lead to deception and loss of trust. I have heard of young girls changing into their jeans when away from home, hoping their mothers will never find out. But rules are worth the trouble, you might say. They were made in the best interest of your child. She needed to be guided in what is right and what is wrong. A parent has to be strong enough to make unpopular decisions and stand by them. Or does she? I suppose it depends on whether the reason behind the rule is valid. And are rules the only way of ensuring our children act in an appropriate manner? Jeans. When I was a teenager and young mother. I wore them all the time. Are they immodest? I guess it depends on the cut. Perfectly modest jeans can be found, I'm sure. Are they unfeminine? I don't think they are as feminine as a pretty skirt. Is it a crime to be unfeminine? I don't suppose it is. Is the issue of jeans worth fighting over? No. I haven't worn jeans for a very long time. These days, I'm a skirt girl. I like the soft feel of them and the comfort. I always felt rather restricted inside my stiff denim jeans. And yes, I do like to feel feminine. Do I want my girls to be feminine? I guess I do, but they have free choice in the matter. As long as my children are doing nothing wrong, I can't force my preferences on them. I don't have the right to control them. To me, jeans wearing is not an issue worthy of a rule. It's not like it has been written into the code of canon law or anything, and it's not as if skirt wearing makes us better people. So we have no rules about jeans. Actually, we have no rules about modesty either. I have never seen the need to write any. Dare I confess? I generally don't make rules about anything. All children, boys included, have always dressed modestly. Why make rules? Instead, we have always talked about dressing appropriately. Do you think this skirt is good enough for Meth? You might be more comfortable in cargo pants. You'll be climbing off and on equipment all day. Have you seen my track pants? I need them for running. I want to look special. It's an important occasion. I need to find my swim shorts. I don't feel right wearing my swimmers without them.
So what do my girls choose to wear? The daughter who is not allowed to wear jeans prefers jeans, as far as I know. The girls who never experienced the jeans rule wear skirts. They won't go anywhere near a pair of jeans. Isn't that funny? The other day, a friend gave me a bag of odds and ends she thought might come in handy for the younger girls. Included in the bag was a pair of jeans. Hey, Sophie, these might fit you. I said, handing the jeans to my second youngest daughter. But Mum, they're jeans. I hate jeans," said Sophie, screwing up her face. "Just try them on," I encouraged. "You never know when a pair of jeans might come in handy." Sophie went off to her bedroom, obviously under protest, trailing the jeans behind her. A few minutes later, she appeared with jeans-clad legs and a tortured look on her face. "They fit perfectly," I smiled. "I hate them." I guess there's no rule that says a girl has to wear jeans. These days, many of my girls' friends wear jeans. My daughters in their pretty skirts are the odd ones out. Wouldn't you like to dress like everyone else? I ask. No, not if it means wearing jeans. Four feminine voices reply. There are probably people who look at my daughters and feel sorry for them. Poor girls. Their mother insists on being old-fashioned and doesn't allow them to wear jeans. Others might congratulate me on being a caring mother who insists on her girls dressing as girls. I told you this was a controversial topic. The truth of the matter is, my girls love wearing skirts, and really, I see no reason to dissuade them from their preference. As I said, I'm a skirt girl too. Would Felicity have been a skirt girl too if I hadn't made any dress rules? What if I hadn't banned jeans? Can rules actually push children in the direction we don't want them to go? Not that it matters. I love all my five daughters, whatever they choose to wear. Imogen walks by, and I say, "Would you like to read my latest post?" When she finishes reading, I'm struck by a funny thought. Do you realize I've written a defense for jeans wearing, and none of you wear jeans? We both laugh. You should have written a post about how jeans wearing is wrong," says Imogen. "You could have pointed at your daughters. They know how to follow the rules." We both laugh again. It's good to laugh. Why fight over something that really isn't very important at all? As I was reading that, the words "I'm going to write about something a little controversial," which is very unlike me, sort of struck me. These days, I'm always writing about things which are a little controversial. Unschooling. Hopefully, I write about it in a way that doesn't get people all upset. If you listened to last week's podcast, episode one hundred and one, you will know that my daughter Sophie does wear jeans these days, even though she was horrified a few years ago about the thought of wearing jeans. She has to wear them because she works in a cafe. Where jeans are part of the uniform. It's a country cafe. They have a country look: jeans and a blue and white check shirt. If she wants to work, she wears the clothes. I don't think she minds them anymore, though she doesn't choose to wear them as her everyday clothing. You will also remember that my girls now wear jeggings, as I do. They wear them under their dresses and long tunics. So I guess they have taken what's comfortable about jeans wearing, 
and made it into a feminine outfit. Because jeans are comfortable. You don't really have to think about what you're going to wear when you've got a pair of jeans. Pull on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and you're set to go. As I said earlier, I don't think making rules about such things actually works. A lot of my friends' children, who are brought up with a no-jeans-wearing rule, now wear jeans. The rules might stop children wearing what they want to wear when they are at home and under our observance. But as soon as they're away from us, they do what they want to do. Perhaps it's much better to build up connections with our kids and talk about these things in a loving and accepting way. And when all else fails, perhaps we can examine the issue carefully. Is it really that important? Yes, why fight over something that really isn't very important at all? Now, after reading that story, I was thinking that maybe some people listening to this podcast would consider jeans wearing a big issue. And I don't mean to stamp all over your beliefs. We are all different. We're bringing up our children in different families with different beliefs that we hope to pass on to those kids. I think we have to accept each other. This is my story, and I hope it doesn't offend anybody that has different beliefs. Because that wasn't my intention. My intention was to illustrate the point that rules don't usually work. So what shall I talk about now? Andy and Jim Rose are still out at the shops. I still have some quiet time. I think I want to talk about the real zoo. I share a lot about myself and my family in blog posts and podcasts. I try and be honest and real. But even so, there are things about me that I don't tell you about. And if you came to visit us, I wonder what you would think of me. A lot of people say, hey Sue, I really like you. I would love to meet you one day. And I sometimes panic. I think, will you like me as much if you meet me in real life? when you find out all those little things that I don't tell you about. Well, early next year, one of my online friends is actually coming to Australia and she will meet the real me. We are going to spend some time together and I'm sure we're going to have a wonderful time. I'm really looking forward to meeting her. An online friend is going to become a real-life friend. Some people say that online friends aren't real friends. I disagree. But anyway, this friend is going to come into my home. She's going to see such things as my dirty fridge, the dust everywhere, how I prefer to write than do housework. Yes, I have described our chore system here. We do like to clean up every morning before we begin our work. But we only do so much. I never get to the deep cleaning jobs. And you should see our garden. Our dog has dug it up. And we hate gardening. I have a science degree majoring in botany, which makes us all laugh, because I hate gardening and I can't keep anything alive. My friend will see all my wrinkles, because usually I choose fairly good photos of myself to post online. And I choose to post photos from a particular angle. The friend will walk around me. She'll see me from all angles. There are so many little things I'm thinking about, 
Perhaps I'll have to do a really good house clean the week before my friend arrives with her family. I guess that when we're real friends, such things don't matter at all. And really, I am sure this friend will say to me, Hey Sue, don't clean up just for me. I'm coming to see you, not your house. It's wonderful when we have friends like that, isn't it? We have another visitor arriving very soon. It's very, very exciting. One of my friends in America, her daughter is coming to stay with us for about a month in the spring. My girls are really looking forward to that. So am I. My friend's daughter is 17, so she's slap bang in the middle of all my girls. I'm sure they'll have lots to talk about, lots to show her. We want to take her to all our favorite places locally. We hope she likes picnics and bushworks. We've been making a long list of places we can go, things that we can do together. Perhaps we'll take a trip up to Sydney. Maybe we'll go to the coast. I would really love to go to the mountains and show this friend the Janolan Caves. We've been to Janolan Caves a couple of times, and I did make a podcast about the caves when we returned from a visit maybe three years ago. I think in that podcast, the most frequent word I used was spectacular. Yes, it was a spectacular holiday. Everything about it. We had such a wonderful time. We went down under the earth and we saw the most unexpected, beautiful sights. We would never have known they were down there. And this is something we would like to share with our friend. But I'm just wondering how we would organize it. You see, something else exciting is going to happen in a week or so. We're getting a new member of our family, a dog. Well, actually, she's a puppy. She is a Great Dane cross Sharpe puppy. So far, we've only seen a photo. My son Callum, who lives about seven and a half hours drive north of us, is bringing the puppy to us. He's getting it from a friend. The puppy should be old enough to leave its mother in the next week or so. So we're anticipating a visit from my son and looking forward to meeting the puppy, who at the moment doesn't have a name. Yes, it's really hard for six people, four girls, Andy and I, to agree on a name. We've had some very funny evenings where we have been making suggestions, been searching the internet for dog names. I think we're down to a list of three, but we've got a few more days yet. So the name of the puppy will be announced very shortly. We are told the puppy is already quite big. Having a great Dane parent, I suppose, that that is not unexpected. We're just wondering how our dog Nora will like the puppy. At the moment, Nora is bigger than the puppy, but I imagine the puppy will outgrow our dog. And Nora isn't a small dog, but she is a lean dog. She has mostly pointer in her, I think. She was an animal shelter dog. Quite a mix. Very sleek and muscular. A good runner. I can imagine she's going to run the puppy around and around the garden. Chapeys are supposed to be a bit lazy. They tend to get overweight. Well, I don't think our puppy is going to have much chance of getting overweight, with Nora as her friend. I suppose the puppy will outgrow Nora at some stage. Well, the girls, as you can imagine, can't wait. What we've been surprised about is that Andy is excited too. For the last couple of years, the girls have been saying, Dad, could we have another dog? 
Nora would love a friend, we're sure, and he has always given non-committal answers. I think he wondered whether we could cope with another pet. We already have three cats and a dog. All I said was, Andy, you might as well give in and say yes to the girls, because you know you're going to say yes eventually. And then maybe a month or so ago, we were driving through town on our way home from Mass, and we saw a couple walking along with two pugs. Oh, they were so cute. And I said to Andy, look, wouldn't it be lovely to have a pug? I turned around and looked at the girls, and their eyes were all lit up. They said, yes, Dad, could we have a pug? And to our complete surprise, Andy said, yes, you can have a pug. So we went home, and we did some Googling. And we discovered that pugs cost $1,800 each. So I said, perhaps we can get another animal shelter dog instead. We took a trip down to the animal shelter a couple of days later, but they didn't have any dogs that we thought were suitable. One dog was an escape artist. We were asked if we had good fences. And we thought the last thing we need is a dog who will encourage Nora to escape. She has already bashed in our gate a couple of times. There was a bulldog which looked a bit frightening to Gemma Rose. A couple of small, yappy dogs, but we want something a bit bigger. And there was a staghound puppy. She's enormous, even though she's only a few months old. We would have taken the staghound puppy, except for the fact that she is a dominant dog. After talking with the volunteers at the animal shelter about Nora and her personality, we were told that she probably wouldn't get on with Nora. The puppy needs another dog to keep her in line. And our dog tends to back off with other dogs. I think she'll be much better off starting with a younger dog, getting used to a younger puppy first. Other news. I have created another Facebook group. It's linked to my Facebook page and it's called Unschooling Collaborators. At the end of last week's podcast, I was talking about how I would like to work with other bloggers and podcasters and vloggers and anybody else who is out there trying to spread the unschooling message. I got quite a good response to last week's podcast as well as a blog post that I wrote on this topic. So I thought a Facebook group would be a good way of getting together so that we can chat about things, a good way to communicate with each other. So if you are interested in joining that group, it is for people who are trying to encourage other people to unschool. It's not really a group for parent-to-parent -parent encouragement. I think there are a lot of those sort of groups around. This group is a little bit different. Yes, it's not really a group for sharing our own concerns about unschooling. Rather, it's a place where people who are writing about unschooling or speaking about unschooling or sharing resources about unschooling can get together, share ideas about how to be effective, encourage each other when there isn't much feedback, share good resources that can help spread the message, that kind of thing. But I'm sure that while we're talking about all those things, there will be plenty of time to talk about our own families as well. Imogen and my husband Andy sing together in a local choir. Well, they sing in the church choir as well, but this is another choir. And they put on a performance at the weekend on Sunday. It was a concert to raise funds for scholarships for young musicians. 
there were a number of young musicians involved in the concert, apart from Imogen, and the big news was that Charlotte got to perform for the very first time. She already sings with the church choir, but this is totally different. She was part of a girls' vocal group, six young girls, two sopranos, including Imogen, two mezzo-sopranos, including Charlotte, and two altos. Over the past couple of months or so, these six girls have met up at regular intervals with Imogen's singing teacher, well, she's Charlotte's singing teacher as well, and they have practiced a couple of pieces together. And so on Sunday, they performed them, and I was there in the audience with Sophie and Gemma Rose to watch. And it was so lovely to see Charlotte have the confidence to do that. She sang very well. Sophie recorded some of the concert, and she recorded those two pieces. I don't know if Imogen has plans to publish them on her YouTube channel, but she might do. Imogen has a lot of new videos on her channel. She has been doing some vlogs and also posting some live concert pieces, as well as her regular music videos and the behind-the-scenes music videos. So as always, I'd like to invite you to go to Imogen's YouTube channel, Imogen Elvis, and her Facebook page of the same name. I know I'm always inviting people to visit these places, and I do hope you don't mind me doing that. Every like and every follow that Imogen gets is so encouraging. So I hope you will consider following along with what she's doing. It will be greatly appreciated. So I think all I've got left to do is invite you to my own blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, my own Facebook page of the same name. And I could also invite you to my Instagram account, couldn't I, to follow along with my photos. Sophie and I had a wonderful photography outing about a week ago. We took a walk along a track that we had never explored before. It wound its way along the river, then we climbed up a few steps in the rock, and when we got to the top, wow, it was amazing spectacular. There was a huge rock ledge that jutted out over the river below, and there were many, many huge boulders or rocks, sandstone, ones that were coated with lichens. I had to take a load of photos. I was just so excited. And as I said to Sophie, perhaps that's a wonderful location for some future music videos. Imogen could stand amongst all these rocks, and they could be a backdrop or she could face the other way on the edge of the ledge over the river. So back to Instagram. I have two accounts, Sue Elvis and also Stories of an Unschooling Family. Sue Elvis is where I post my family photos, and Stories of an Unschooling Family is where I post my family stories that I have made into graphics. I just add a few words, a few thoughts to the photos. If you go over there, I hope you find them interesting and attractive. So that's it. This is the end of episode 102. Time to go and get some morning coffee before Auntie and Gemma Rose arrive home, and then I'll be unpacking bags, stocking the pantry up again. I hope if you're on holiday at the moment that you are having a relaxing time with your family. I hope you're having lots of enjoyable unschooling adventures. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, 
and love unconditionally.